Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined as always by Matthew Chandler. This week, uh, another RBM contributor, Pete Reynolds, joins us. And I mean, guys, this is probably the um, best podcast we've ever had to do in the history of this podcast. The only time we've ever got to discuss something like this. Uh, but before we get into the craziness that was last night, obviously we're recording um, Sunday, so the craziness that was yesterday. Uh, Pete, how are you doing today? Um, I'm very happy. I don't think I've ever been so happy. <laughs> yeah, and Matthew, how about you? you? You doing all right? I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing, mate. Yeah, I was, I was one when Everton last won at Anfield, so um, <laughs> it's been kind of. Obviously, it has happened in my lifetime. It doesn't feel like that because um, I didn't, <laughs> didn't remember anything that happened when I was one, so I didn't really appreciate it. Um, I just feel sorry for Kevin Campbell now because he's probably going to be out of work next time. I don't need people need to interview people about the last time Evan won at Anfield or things like that. I hope he still managed to sort of get some interviews out of it and things. But um, generally, pretty glad. Well, pretty glad, very glad that that. That barren run is over now, and hopefully, you know, in terms of the season, can kind of springboard us onto better, better run of form now as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was. Uh, I'm same as you, Matthew. I would think I was four when Everton won last at Anfield, and at that point, I didn't even know what Everton was because over here in America, soccer wasn't that big. Um, so, do, do you remember it, Pete? Do you remember? Just about. I think I, I think I was like nine. <laughs> I kind of, kind of remember going into school with my chest puffed up, but um, not so I don't remember too much. <laughs> that, I can't remember if it was the same game where like Franny Jeffers had a massive fight with Sam de Vesterveld. I can't remember if it was like, it was like one year either side. I'm not sure if it was yeah. the same one. Yeah, but it's just like we haven't, for, you know, it feels like, I, I mean, I wrote about this in the reaction yesterday, but it feels like the, um, the kind of the competent derby performances at Anfield are, are more of a kind of anomaly for Everton than the, than the embarrassing ones. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, I don't think I don't think any of them have been kind of as accomplished as yesterday. So, yeah, yeah, everybody, uh, everybody was talking about that. I think they said, uh, you know, I mean, it's just yesterday was was fantastic, a real complete performance. But we'll we'll get to that. We have to discuss the bad before we get to the good, though. Um, we have to discuss the Man City match. Um, obviously, we didn't discuss that on the last podcast. Um, so let's get into that now. Uh, two changes from the Fulham loss in that one. Pickford uh, was back in for Olsen, and Awobi was in for Coleman. Um, Foden opened the scoring in the 32nd minute, where Charleston answered five minutes later. And for the most part, uh, Everton kind of held steady there for the rest of the half and, and the first you know few minutes of the second half. But then Man City started applying some pressure, and Mares scored um, in the 63rd, Silva in the 77th uh, for a 3-1 City win. Um, I think that was their 16th or 17th in a row now. Um, Mina replaced early on for Coleman due to injury. Um, you know, obviously a little bit better than the Fulham match, but um, obviously this was before the Liverpool. So, um, you know, that's not exactly saying much. Um, what were the positives you guys had from this one? Pete, we'll start with you. Positives. I mean, I think we set up in the right way. We kind of brought back this sitting fullback system, which has worked well earlier in the season. I actually looked into this and there was this back four of Holgate right back, Godfrey left back, um, Mina and Keane. 
they played together five, uh, six times before this game and we'd won five. I think we'd drawn once and they were wins over like Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal. I think the only draw was Leicester. So like you look at that kind of setup and you can't argue, you can fully understand why Carlo's gone for that against the team that are pretty comfortably the best team in the league at the moment. Um, so I think the setup was right. And then I think Mina going off, it might not seem a catastrophic blow in terms of we've got a lot of replacements, but I think it just kind of disrupted the system enough where we're not quite as solid as we were. Um, but I thought the first half we did pretty well. And then City are just really good, aren't they? Like they eventually kind of just wore yeah. us down. And we on the dap, the flip, the disappointment with it was that we didn't have a response when we went behind the second time. It was kind of, it looked, they looked game over around 17 minutes. Yeah. Matthew, how about you? I think when we played Chelsea, um, even though Chelsea had a lot of pressure and possession, I, did, I never felt Everton were kind of really hanging on. I felt like we had a good grip on the game. Um, whereas against Man City, even when it was nil-nil, it felt like we were waiting to concede. And it was a game that we were kind of waiting to lose, really. Um, for it, and you know, for as well as we we defended for much of that game up until I would say maybe until Mares makes it two-one with what is to be fair, you know, really really good finish. Um, up until then, I thought we defended well, but we didn't. Even the goal was kind of off the cuff, wasn't it? Evans' goal and. Never really, never really imposed themselves on Man City, which I know you're not really going to get much of a chance to do because of how well they are. How, sorry, how, how well they play and how good they are. But I didn't really, I didn't really, I didn't really take many positives from it just because I know it was an improvement on Fulham, but such a low bar that it's, it's not, not much of a, not saying much, is it? Um, yeah. So, I mean, can you write it? I mean, the funny thing is, we, when we played Man City the last few years, we've been in a kind of similar state. I think we played them last year, haven't lost the previous two. And it was, again, it was like a commendable performance, but we lost. And then the season before that, I think we'd lost two in a row before then as well. So it does feel like kind of Groundhog Day with these Man City games where they come to Goodison, we're in a rut, kind of restore some pride by sort of gallantly losing. Um, but I guess it just showed. I mean, we, we, we never expected to be competing with Man City this season, but I think it just shows you kind of how wide that gulf is, not just between us and Man City, but probably between us and the rest of the league. Because I don't think Everton have really been out, outclassed like that in another game this season. Um, and I also found Ancelotti's comments afterwards kind of a bit dispiriting in terms of him saying, you know, Man City are 100 times or 10 times better than us. And that might be true, but I just feel like I feel like something David Moyes would say, you know, to kind of you know lower expectations or whatever. And yeah, to a degree, I understand why he said it, but I just think I, I would have liked. I mean, he's got so much right, Antoine, hasn't he? And you know, yesterday was a prime example of that. But that comment just kind of rubbed me up the wrong way slightly, just because I think. You want to kind of embrace the challenge more rather than kind of just accepting defeat. Um, I also think the Mina change was was um, maybe maybe not the right one because I, th- I thought could could you not have maybe put Luca Dean in, back into left left back and then brought maybe Bernard on or um, 
somebody, somebody, you know, a more a more natural forward because I think Luca Dean's better playing at left back as well. So, um, I, I I just this game annoyed me in in some ways, but then obviously didn't surprise me in others. So, um, it, it felt more annoying in, in some ways this one because I mean for the last few years when we played Man City, <laughs> kind of wanted um, Man City to win, um, trying to stop Liverpool. Um, but yeah, this this game was kind of. I mean, it played out except pretty much exactly as I expected it to. So yeah, I would say yeah. these defeats yeah. don't hurt as much though. It's like you know, yeah, they're they're yeah. probably the least painful defeats to stomach because of how good they are. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean they've won seventeen straight now. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's literally no one. It's not even just us that aren't coming close. Like you said, Matthew, it, a lot of the league is not coming close to beating City. You know, it's not like there's you know the Liverpools and the Tottenham's of the world or or Arsenal's and Chelsea's are going to Man City or or Man City's coming to them and they're you know putting out fantastic well, they're already performances. Beating, they're already beating Man uh, Arsenal at the moment. So yeah, so you know, it's not it's not like. Uh, it's not like the other teams aren't struggling as well against them. I mean, they've just, I mean, it's been said already, I think, but you know, city is about as well prepared for a pandemic season as any other team, because they have two sets of 11 players who can go out there and play. And when you're playing week in week out three times in seven days, every week, um, you know, that helps having, you know, a, a squad that you can interchange basically all 11 players and still be, um, as good as you were the game before. Um, obviously, I think the one positive is just how we initially responded. Um, obviously, there were Charleston goal, getting back in the game. Because, um, you know, I think often, a lot of times, especially as an Everton fan, um, you know, you go down one nothing, and you're, you know, the automatic, against a team like Man City, uh, the automatic thought is, oh, this is, you know, especially a team that's won 16 in a row, you're like, all right, well, that's it. <laughs> we had to keep a clean sheet or we weren't going to win this game or, or, or get anything from this game at all. Um, but to see Richarlison get a goal was always good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not not too many positives to take from this one. But uh, like you said, Matthew, it's not – this one hurts the least out of probably any loss that we would have had, will have, or have had this season. Um, Pickford was back. What were your guys' thoughts on on Pickford in this one? Obviously, Darby's different, but <laughs> – in the City game, I thought he, he actually had a good game apart from that. Was it the third goal that yeah. he had yeah. a weak hand on? But apart from that, he had a really good game, I thought. Um, but it's the, this is the trouble with Pickford, isn't he? He does have that one one or two moments every game where you're like, what's happened there? Mm-hmm. And that's always his issue. Like, I, think he's, this, I think this is the most frustrating thing with him. I think he's a very talented goalkeeper. But... He just has these moments, or, and they're so consistent. They're consistently inconsistent because it's not the same type of mistakes every week. It's a different, weird anomaly of a moment. And um, I don't know, like if he can cut it out, he'd be world class. But like, like yesterday showed, if he if he doesn't make a mistake, he's you know a great goalkeeper. But can he do that? I'm not saying never make a mistake, but you know reduce those. I mean, makes like 20 mistakes a season to three or four. And then you're talking about top goalkeeper. Matthew? I was surprised that he went with Pickford because I thought I thought he would play Olsen in the derby and, and therefore kind of made sense to stick with Olsen for the, the game prior. Um, obviously, Pickford ends up playing both. Um, and in the City game, I thought, pretty much like Peter said, really thought he was all right until that 
I don't think you can't blame him for either gold and one's deflected. The Mares one is just a great hit. It's the Bernardo Silva one, I think, which maybe look at him and, and point fingers if anywhere. Um, but you know, it's hard to be too too critical of Pickford. I don't, I don't think we lost this game because of Pickford. I just think um, we got outclassed more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, uh, you know. Nothing new there for me to add. You know, I agree with everything you guys said on, on Pickford. Um, thoughts on Sigurdsson and, and obviously the decision to take Davies off on this one. Um, what were you guys' thoughts on on kind of that whole situation there? I wondered if they took Davies off just in – I can't remember exactly when he went off. Was it – were we 2-1 down when he went off? I think so, yeah. It was, yeah, a, it was so. around the hour mark, wasn't it? Just yeah. Down. So I'm, I was just kind of wondering if they were saving legs a little bit for the derby. Um, I mean, Sigurdsson was garbage, but like, if you're gonna know you're not, if you're quite sure you're not gonna play him against Liverpool anyway, it's kind of better to save Davis a bit and kind of knowing the game's gone. In some ways, I can kind of understand it. If you want to, if you need to win that City game, I think you've got to keep Davis on. But. I think the problem with with Sigurdsson, like we keep saying, is that when he plays deeper, he just doesn't look suited to it, does he? I think that's what you saw against Man City because couldn't get high enough up the pitch because Man City were so so um so dominant. Um that you needed someone with more with more sort of bite in midfield like Davies has. And that's not Sigson's fault. That's just not his that's not his style, is it? That's not how he, that's not his, that's not what he's good at. Um so I, I imagine like he was on the bench against Liverpool. So I imagine it was just because of of the uh, you know tiredness factor that he took Davies off because Davies obviously started the derby. Um, well, I, I don't know. I just find it it felt kind of self-defeating. I think to, to keep Sigurdsson on when he wasn't offering anything though. I just think um, because I think the problem is as well. You know, Sigurdsson's not a quick footballer, and you're playing one of the quickest teams in the world, and the most. And the most you know, powerful, aggressive, dominant teams in the world. Um, he's naturally slow anyway. And he's just played 120 minutes against Tottenham and then played the full 90 against Fulham, you know, in the last week. So um, I, don't think it hit, I don't think it did any him any favours either, kind of flogging him. Just as we've seen kind of players like Abdullah Decore look pretty knackered lately because of their sort of, they're being overworked. Sorry, Peter, you're going to say something? Yeah, I think yeah, you're absolutely right with Siggy in terms of he's, he's such a leggy kind of player. Um, and it, I think he's the one that when you've got a few games together, you see it in him more than a lot of other players, which is kind of strange. You'd expect it maybe in the pacey players that they're not quite as fast, but if him, he just seems to really just kind of slow down to another level, which is not needed. But the more I see him like coming off the bench and like having shorter moments in games, I always think he looks good. He's always tidy on the ball. And the fresher he is, I think he can keep up with the pace more. But the, if he's playing back-to-back games, he just disappears. Like yeah. each game, like is less and less effective. Like Matt says. Yeah, but I think yeah. I think when he looks up to the pace of the game is when he comes on as a sub because players are naturally more tired than more worn out. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe the game yeah. slows down a bit more to his his more natural um, suited sort of pace. Um, whereas I think, like you said, when when we when you start him, when you consistently start him, you know, game after game, especially at the moment when we keep having these two game weeks, I think it shows on him more than most, like the sort of physical toll of those those games. Yeah, yeah, 
you know, I mean, um, yeah, again, <laughs> not much else to add there. Agree with you guys on that. Um, I, I think the Davies situation was, like you said, it probably was just to save him. If you're going into a situation in this, in this city match and, you know, obviously it doesn't look great to, obviously nobody would come out and say that he, you know, Ancelotti was, you know, giving in in this one and saying, okay, we'd lost this one. Let's focus on Liverpool. But I think we would all, we'd all argue that out of the two matches, the Liverpool one was significantly more important um, and, and getting those three points in that one and against a team who were competing with, at least in the standings, as opposed to a Man City team who's running away with it. But, um, but yeah, Sigurdsson didn't look, you know, he, like you said, he, he looked tired. He, he didn't look great. Um, so, I mean, not much else to say on this one. Anything else you guys want to want to talk about with this one before we take a quick break? Well, the one thing I'd say is, um, do you think, can you see any way that we beat them in a month's time in the FA Cup? Yeah, because I think, I think they, I think Ancelotti will probably learn a lot from this game um, and maybe adapt his game plan. They also yeah, have a lighter work. We have a lighter but, workload. Sorry, go on. Uh, do you think we'd set up any differently, though? I think... More, much differently. Well, I would think... I'd like to think that none of our... Sort of, assuming that none of our sort of key players get injured, I'd like to think Alan will start, and I'd like to think Dominic Calvert-Loon will start. Mm-hmm. And as well as Richarlison has done it centre-forward lately, I think Calvert-Loon is obviously the more natural fit for that, that role. Um... I think that will maybe give us more of a license to impose ourselves on Man City. And also, the fact that it's a cult game and not a league game maybe kind of lends itself more to kind of having to go for it a bit. Now, that yeah. might leave Evan more exposed, but then I suppose if we play with, with the back four that we've been playing with, then we've got sort of the solidity in place to cover, uh, to also compensate for that. Um, I also think the fact we should be fresher for that game as well, because... We have a, we have a three games in seven. We have no game now until Southampton. Then we have three games in a week again, but then we have two games in the next fortnight. The, the latter, which is the Man City game. So, whereas Man City have still got to play, um, we'll back twice in the Champions League before then, as well as the I think the same amount of league games. And obviously they've got, you know, fantastic strength and depth. Like, you just look at their bench and see how strong it is as well. But I'd like to think Everton will be in a better place to challenge them in the, for that cup game. Yeah. So I wouldn't uh, write the cup game. And also, like I said, I, I think the cup game is it's probably the best time to play City now in the cup. Because you don't want to play at Wembley because it's a bigger pitch and it's a neutral venue. So I think probably does Everton a favour. Maybe if, maybe if we play with the Etihad, it might be slightly easier because of how much better we've seen away. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I I I think you're right. I think I think Ancelotti definitely learned something from from this game. Um, I'm currently at the the top part of the Everton roller coaster where I'm delusionally thinking that this is a possibility, and then eventually, by the time we lose to like West Brom in the midweek after Southampton, I'll be down here and expecting us to lose four nothing. But currently, right now, I don't know. I mean, I think I think City will. I, I think Ancelotti definitely will learn um, from 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 this match and you know who knows I, I think we put up a better performance I, I think with Dominic Calvert-Lewin it allows us um it, to just be a little bit more potent going forward so I don't know how about you Pete do you think do you think this gives us you think we have a shot I mean it's, it's one of those games where everything's got to go well so I think you keep the sitting fullbacks for that game and then 
like Matt said, when you've got Alan back and you've got Calvert Lewin back, that's obviously more you can impose yourself better on the game. Mm-hmm. I think like we're kind of based on yesterday, I think we're getting close to being able to quite comfortably say what our best eleven is. But maybe there's two versions of it in terms of so when we're playing against the top side, that involves the sitting fullbacks, um, probably a midfield three of Alan uh DeCorey, Davis, and then up top you've got Hammers, Richarlison and Calvert Lewin Hall of Deans fitting there somewhere. But then against the small the lower teams, it's probably shifting around the back four and kind of figuring out do you want Coleman or Holgate at right back? It's, I think the right back situation needs to be resolved quite in the summer. I think that's at a point now where it's kind of at a breaking point and it's gonna start costing us. Yeah. Yeah, it's a high priority, isn't it? But I think you've got, we haven't played the team that played the league games at the start of the season, which you know, won all those games in succession. I don't think they've played this I think that team has, has played together since then because of injuries and yeah. whatnot. So Correct. it has to have to kind of mix and match. And I do think like you said that the easing up of the schedule or slight easing up of the schedule will will work in Evans' favour for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right, let's take a uh, quick break here and then when we come back we'll talk about the Liverpool match. All right, we're back, and we're talking about uh, the Merseyside Derby. Obviously, Everton coming out with the 2-0 victory over Liverpool. First time in uh, 22 years, 23 visits that we have won at Anfield. Um, Just a crazy, crazy day overall. Uh, The changes from the City loss, Coleman came in for Mina, obviously injured. Um, Gomez came in for Sigurdsson and Rodriguez for Iwobi. Richarlison scored in the third minute uh, and then Everton held held strong until Sigurdsson scored the 83rd minute penalty. Um, let's start with the selection here, guys. Uh, spot on selection, spot on tactics from Ancelotti, you think? Very much. <laughs> I think, yeah, we, 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 it was kind of a defensive setup, wasn't it? Um, with, you kind of had Coleman playing as a kind of a winger but also a fullback so kind of an extra cover but then like in the middle of the park we look pretty good and then hammers with charleston upset up the top but they gave us up they, we, we were able to just move the ball through the pitch quite well when we needed to matthew what'd you think i when i saw the season i was pretty happy because i i just assumed that alan and calvert Lewin weren't playing because they weren't fit enough to start which is fair enough because I don't really buy this idea of, like, if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to start. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, so th- I think, you know, under the circumstances, I thought the team made sense. They kind of worry about um, maybe Coleman having to take on Robertson and what challenges that would face. And I felt if we could get the ball to Luca Dean, I thought he could give Alexander-Arnold a really tough time because I think we've seen Alexander-Arnold is not the most competent defensively. Um, and, and you know, Luca Dean potentially could be in his element there. I mean, obviously, as it, as it worked out, maybe Dean and Coleman probably played slightly deeper for the most part, other than obviously Coleman having that header um, at Allison, um, where he kind of looked like he was playing centre forward. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it worked perfectly because I think we played to our strengths in terms of. We just did all the basics. I mean, what we didn't do against Fulham was we just didn't do the basics well enough. 
I think against Liverpool, we, we got all the basics spot on. We just defended properly. We cleared our lines. We tackled. I mean, that tackle from Ben Godfrey, I think, in the second half, where he sort of ends up in the other half of the pitch. It just travels so far. It's kind of indicative of how we defended, I think, in that game. Um, and then we, we were clinical, I think, in, in attack because I think, I mean, if anything, we could have scored more, really, couldn't we? I mean, we don't want to get greedy, especially at Anfield, but. In the Sigerton has a late chance at the end. Coleman's yeah. header, obviously. Um, but I mean, the the first goal is, I think, is is one of the best goals we scored this season. It's just in terms of, um, I mean, the way Rodriguez takes the ball down is is amazing. I think in itself, I think maybe it's been slightly overlooked, like just how how good his control is there. But to then, you know, release that ball to to Richarlison for him to then. Sort of ghosting behind Kabak, who he gave a really torrid afternoon to all, 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 all evening. Um, and then the finish, you know, it, I know it's an empty Anfield, but it still kind of carries that sort of burden on on Everton players. And so for him to keep his cool there, I thought was really impressive, especially the season that he's had, where he's been really up and down with Charleston. I think it's probably the best game he's had for us this season. So yeah, I mean, it, the tactics worked perfectly. Um, and, you know, hopefully, like I said before, this, you know, re-injects them with kind of a, a belief that they can go on to maybe even finish top four because I think it's always you know, it's always a shame, like, if you if you don't, if you just kind of, your season's potential goes unfulfilled. But I think it feels even more so the case this year when you've seen Everton win at Leicester and Tottenham and Liverpool and yet take no points at home to Fulham and Newcastle and Leeds. Yeah, I mean, with Richarlison, it's just nice. To, I mean, he, I guess, over the past few few games, he seemed to really uh, kind of pick things up, and and now he's scoring goals, and that's you know, especially this one will do you know wonders for his confidence going forward, and and that's something we really need if we're going to kick on and 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 fight for that top four spot, um, you know. But all around, I mean, it was it was a really good display defensively, like you said, really solid. Um, you know, on that second goal, even the even though it wasn't scored, that I, I think you know one of the other things gets overlooked. We look at the penalty, whether it was a penalty or not. Um, you know, I, I think what gets overlooked is is how good Richarlison turns on that ball, lets it go by him, and then makes that pass through to Dominic Calvert Lewin. Like I, you know, if that goal is scored, that is also really phenomenal goal. Like from the ball, from the, all the way from the back, you know, it takes you know three passes for us to get. Um, you know, a shot attempt on goal. Um, I thought that was, you know, the build up to that was awesome too. But, you know, it seems like, you know, Ancelotti got it right this one. But, you know, if we are going to kick on and, and, and make top four, Pickford's also going to be really important. And he was fantastic in this one. Made some unbelievable saves. What do you guys think of, obviously we talked about his performance against Man City. Um, how big of a step is this for Pickford moving forward that he was able to get a clean sheet here and perform so well at Anfield? I think the thing is, like, we need he he was flawless, but let's do that again against Southampton in ten days and see if he can do that. And then the game after that, and the game after that, can can he just cut out these errors? And can he, if he gets anywhere near to that kind of consistency, it'll be it'll be great. Matthew, what do you, what did you think? What do you think about him moving forward? Um, I think I would obviously stick with him now over Olsen for a start. Um, and we just think he's earned the chance to have a run of games 
or more than a run of games, to be honest, as, as first choice. Um, I think it was... I, I don't think you can kind of diminish his kind of achievement in terms of, you know, overcoming that mental hurdle just because Liverpool are, you know, not as good as they were last year or the year before and because Anfield was empty. Because even when we played Liverpool at Goodison in October, we still had, we made some good saves, but he had shakier moments, didn't he? The, the Henderson goal in, in injury time, which he, I know it gets ruled out for offside, but which he kind of palms into the net, being the, being the obvious one. So obviously the tackle with Van Dijk as well, which caused him a lot of, you know, backlash, um, which kind of been easy for him to deal with, um, obviously. So I, th- I think this was a really, I think it's his best Everton game. I felt it was it was his most mature Everton game. Um, and like Pete said, you know, without, <laughs> I think this is the one game where we're allowed to get carried away, but it's like, Pete's right in that, you know, being more level-headed about it, what he needs to do now is not let this be like another one-off good pick for performance. It needs to be kind of, because I, I, I don't think physically he is that kind of, I don't think there's that many physical shortcomings in Pickford's game or sort mm-hmm. of technical shortcomings. I think most of his, most of Pickford's biggest problem is probably Pickford. I just, I just think his his head, I think, stops him from being a better goalkeeper than he is. And I think yesterday, you know, he, he played with his head screwed on the whole game. He did everything. Everything he did was sensible. There was no kind of sort of not not arrogant moments, but kind of him showboating or you know being unnecessarily sort of flashy in possession or with his with his saves or anything like that. Just simple and effective. Um, and I, I think. What he's got to do now is maintain that. Maybe in games where he'll have less to do, because I because I still think just tying tying into what I've said about Pickford's kind of mentality, I think the more he he has to do in a game, the better he normally plays because he his concentration has to stay high. I think when when there's been games where Everton have maybe dominated more, Pickford has had spells in games where he's not been needed. It's been quite hard for him to kind of click back into gear and. and and concentrate fully on the on the game, um, which I think has cost him points and and caused him to make mistakes. So, for example, if we play Southampton next week, I know we're at home, but you would expect an improved home performance on the back of an Anfield win. So, what if Everton have you know say like a fifteen minute spell where they they're on top of Southampton, Southampton then get a break or a corner or something. He's got to make sure that he's, you know, he's, he's fully switched on and alert and doesn't make any stupid, stupid mistakes. Like I said, I think, I don't think Pickford's, Pickford's already shown that he has kind of, I think his reflexes especially suggest that there are elements of a very good goalkeeper there. It's just whether he can kind of overcome his own sort of mental blocks. I think, and he certainly he did that yesterday at Anfield. He's brilliant. I say the save from Henderson is. Um, maybe I think again I think slightly underrated because he really has to leap across and even if he just gets fingertips on that it's a fantastic save the Salah one as well where he pounces on it you know after the rebound which um, also everything for him in that situation obviously it's good to see him doing that because obviously that's the type of play that he obviously injured 
Van Dyke on. Yeah. So obviously to see him coming cool. out, you know, obviously it's it's not Thank that you. big of a deal, and you know he's done it before, but against Liverpool, I guess you know maybe there would be a little bit more yeah. hesitation. Yeah, um, but more just because I think you know he. When we went there last season, he conceded five. You know, when we went there a couple of years ago, he obviously fumbled that that sort of stray ball into a Rigi's path, and then there was the the Van Dyke header in the cup game, which he gifted to him. Well, not gifted, but he just punched it thin air, didn't he, when he went to get it. So he obviously has a lot of history with this ground and this team um, and this kind of this derby mentality, I think, because we see it with Newcastle a bit when we play them. But So this felt like a really, really important step for Pickford. Um, what he's got to do now, like Pete said, is just maintain it. Maintain that level of, of concentration and I think a higher level of consistency in his performance will come with that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, he like he's got, you guys have all hit hit on the hit on the major points, but he was fantastic in this one. But again, you're right; he's he's got to show it in those those matches from here on out. And you know, I think he, Matthew, you said it. Um, he did seem like very locked in. wasn't It was no arrogance about it. It was just, you know, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to do a job, and I'm going to get it done. And and you know, that's something we we don't often see from pickford in these big not maybe not in these big moments but a lot of the time um typically in the games where like you said he has more to do he's he's been better but this was i think a really big step for him mentally to kind of get over he's had some issues uh, matthew I, I i think um it might have been you who wrote about this right matthew yeah who um yeah. you know wrote about his you know redemption on the heels of you know some of his performances obviously the origi tip over um, or attempted tip over that that gets put in the net. Um, obviously, the the events that happened earlier this season, um, he kind of fought all that and and overcame his mental block there and 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 got you know got got the job done. And I think you could argue that if it was you know I, I think it'd be a pretty solid argument that if it wasn't for him, um, Everton wouldn't be we wouldn't be t- sitting here talking about a win or especially not a clean sheet today. Um, any other standouts for you guys, Matthew? Um, if you want to go first on this one, you know, any other standouts for you in this, in this game? I thought Coleman was kind of, it was a, it was the ideal kind of captain's performance thing from Coleman. Mm-hmm. Um, very solid, very, very measured, very in control, led by example. Um, everything you kind of want from, from Seamus Coleman in, in that respect anyway. And I didn't really have, I don't really, he didn't have much, much to contend with from Robertson either, did he? I don't, I don't really remember Robertson getting the better of him too many times. I don't really remember Robertson going up against him either. Um, yeah. I thought, like I said, Richardson led the line well. Rodriguez was kind of his, his perfect kind of partner in crime, especially for, for Richardson's goal. Tom Davies, I thought again, took his chance in midfield. Um, just worked really hard and looks a lot more, looks so much more confident now, I think, and more assured of, of himself. Yeah. I think that's a credit to Ancelotti and his, his coaches as well, the confidence that you've given him. And the back, I mean, they all play well at the back, but I think my standout would be Michael Keane, just because I thought he, he was the most kind of, he, he was such a rock in that defence. I think he stood out more than, more than the others. But I think as well, maybe a word for Mason Holgate, because he had maybe the most critics last few games, especially the Fulham game, when I thought personally he's probably the worst Everton player. Uh, but last night he was really vocal as well, which is obviously easy to pick up when there's no crowd there. Um, 
thought he showed a lot of a lot of good leadership qualities as well as well as defensive qualities. So, I mean, they all played well, didn't they? I mean, I, I would single out Big Dunk as well just for the aftermath and the celebrations and the sort of kissing of all our players and the the celebrations we saw. I don't know if you've seen it on in Kunku's Snapchat. Yeah, they're all going mental yeah. in there, and including Ferguson in, in the uh, in the makeshift dressing room. So uh, it's quite hard singling out players because <laughs> they all kind of deserve credit in pretty much equal measure, really, for last night. Yeah, no, it was um, defensively a, a great, a great performance. Uh, Pete, anything to add to that? Um, I agree with Matt, really. Um, I think it was good to see like that, I, the spine of the team was so good in terms of, and it, it was also good because the players that played so well are mostly players that are coming for quite a lot of criticism. So you've got, obviously got Pickford in goal. Michael Keane was absolutely outstanding, I thought. Um, then Tom Davis in midfield, he just marshaled it and he broke up play. He was efficient on the ball. And then Richie up top. I thought those four in particular for me were... They were they were what kind of propelled us to where we wanted to be. Yeah, I think the I only mean, one that was maybe slightly disappointing was was Gomez, um, yeah. just because he looked kind of a bit sluggish. Um, but I think it's fair to say Gomez generally has been better the last few weeks, with the exception of maybe Fulham and, and Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you, you'd think when Allen is, I think I would expect Allen to probably start the Samson game, put it that way. I think that will give Allen more time to, to get fully back up to speed. Um, and Gomez is potentially, you know, I think Gomez actually had better games for us this season off the bench. Yeah. So again, you're looking at him as kind of a, a good option in reserve, maybe. Um, but, you know, it's very harsh to be to be critical of people. And it's kind of missing the point, it feels like, after. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll we'll save that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for for another time. Um. But yeah. No. I, I I agree. I think everybody. You know, for the most part, it was just a really good, solid team performance. And and um. You know, it just you know just to see the team perform like that at Anfield after all those years. And like you said, Matthew, it just it it was hard to get off Twitter last night. Uh, you know, just seeing the videos keep popping up of celebrations and people, you know, you know, whether it be in their home, obviously fans not at the stadium, but you know, there was a couple watch parties here in America um, for, for, for Everton. There obviously watch parties at houses in England and whatnot, you know, obviously families watching and whatnot um, just to see the joy and, and, and just the excitement on not only the players, but all the fans faces, obviously, this is just such a big victory. Um, but before we wrap things up, I think we probably should just talk about real quick, the penalty, um, you know, what were your guys thoughts on the penalty and your opinion? Was it a penalty? Um, you know, Pete, we'll start with you on this one. My first instinct when I saw it is it's definitely a penalty because obviously there's no intent from Alexander, Alexander Arnold to bring him down, but if he's not come sliding in, got in his way, it's, it's a clear 100% goal for Calvert-Lewin. Mm-hmm. So although it's no intent, he's clearly stopped the goal. So, but then I had, I've heard opinions on both sides. There's a lot of people, some people think it's absolutely clear penalty, 100% a goal, um, 100% a penalty. And then there's other people like, oh, it's never a penalty in a million years. It doesn't seem to be much debate really almost um, in terms of there's, there's not many people in the middle. I feel like I can understand, the, I, I, I can imagine being Alexander Arnold in that situation and being livid because like I've not, I've got no idea what's happened and somehow I've given away a penalty. 
but it doesn't, there's no there's no rule about intent in those positions. Like he stopped. I think the only the, the weird situation there is that Calvert Lewin's taken a step before he hits Alexander Arnold, who's in some ways ran into him. I think that's where it becomes a bit of a grey area. Um, but for me, for me, it's a penalty. You're obviously not going to be happy if it goes against you, but I think if uh, he's not slid in there, that's a goal. Matthew, how about you? Uh, I didn't. I didn't think it was a penalty. No, I can see why he gives it, but I just think Alex Cavalier kind of falls into Alexander Arnold rather than Alexander Arnold going out of his way to trip Cavalier or something like that. Um, it was a good play from Calvert-Lewin and I think he was it Calvert-Lewin who won it? Yeah do you think yeah, he well, paid for it though? Because mm, surely he scores if he, if he gets up if he manages to jump out of his way or whatever he scores yeah. right? Yeah I, I would think Probably. so yeah But I think um, I would say on Calvert-Lewin I thought he did a very good job when he came on of holding the ball up and and um, just kind of slowing things down a bit which is what which in that, in that scenario you want because you know, you're defending a one-goal lead at Anfield. That that is a situation where you want to kind of just keep the ball and, and stay composed, and maybe just take the sting out of the game a bit. But on the penalty, I think, yeah, I, I can see what Pete's saying. Um, I I just think I would I would feel pretty hard done by if I was Alexander Arnold because it does feel like Calvert Lewin kind of just more of a, a very accidental sort of collision and, and tangle rather than. You know any any sort of malicious, you know, through intent or anything like that. Um, I did enjoy Chris Cal- Chris Kavanagh, the ref, who is the, the same ref who sent sent off Ancelotti after the uh, United game last season. I did enjoy his kind of sort of token gesture of going over to the VAR thing for about two seconds <laughs> just so he could say <laughs> <a little laughs> just to uh, check it was on. <laughs> yeah, just, um. <laughs> you know, uh, just to say that he's. Just say that he'd used it and then and then came straight back and stuck with his decision. <laughs> and I actually thought when he was going to VAR that I thought he would he would overturn it, but good on him. He's redeemed himself for last season, uh, in my in my book for, for sticking with his decision. Yeah, I mean but I still think we would have won the game. I say I I I still think I still would have felt confident that we would have seen it out. Yeah. Had it stayed at one. Um, because but the extra cushion at the start is... I was feeling like I, Yeah, yeah. At yeah. the start I felt like I couldn't see us keeping a clean sheet, but then actually, as it went on, it felt his defense is playing so well. Pickford's Pickford looks unbeatable. Yeah. You know, I don't Liverpool either running out of ideas. I think we'll actually be okay here, but I, you know, and a well taken penalty from Sigerson to be fair. Like you said, is another one who gets a lot of stick, but you know, kept very composed there and and put it right in the corner. So fair play to him. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the the second goal gives a little bit of cushion, probably. Uh... Saved some Everton fans from having heart attacks in the last ten minutes there, but um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I I'm with Pete initially on first like my first view of it live. Honestly, I I thought, um, I thought Trent Arnold or Trent Alexander Arnold stuck his foot out and tripped him because that's from the angle that they had there. Um, it looked like he might have tripped him there, and I was like, oh wow, that's that's definitely a penalty. Obviously, it's significantly more accidental on the replays. And whatnot when you get every angle. Um, I, I agree with you though, Pete. I think that it could have been. It, it, I think it was a penalty, um, just because it looks like Dominic Carvalhoon is going to score if he can get around uh, 
um, get around uh, Alexander Arnold. But in the end, two nothing Everton. Uh, they win with twenty nine percent possession, as you state here in your your five telling stats, Pete. Um, and, and I thought it was really interesting. If you want to just talk about just kind of Everton's what you have in here, Everton's wins in terms of possession and and their losses and draws and how how things have kind of I guess differed. Um, amongst the three, if you just want to talk about that a little bit before we wrap this up. Yeah, well, this has kind of been the clear... The, Everton are a bit Jekyll and Hyde, aren't they? When we go against the bigger sides, we put in these back-to-the-wall performances, we look dangerous on the counter, and most of the time we pick up points. You know, like, who we lost to, like, of the good sides this year, we lost to City in midweek. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, I think we lost to United once, and then the rest of them we've either drawn or beaten. But then you get Fulham at home, you get West Ham at home, you get Leeds, you get Newcastle twice, Southampton. And what's, what's the difference in these games? And the clear thing that stands out to me is that when we're, especially at home against these lesser teams, we're trying to become a possession-based team and we're just rubbish at it. We're really, really bad at it. We're, we get the ball, we play it out from the back and we just play We either play, play too much and play ourselves into trouble or we keep going back, or we move it a little bit forward, and then we just try and like play a long ball desperately because we, we realise we've held on to it for too long. There's no when we receive. It's often when we're receiving the ball. There's we get the we get the ball. We look up who's around, and then you play a safe pass. You get the ball. You look up. You can play another safe pass, and it's just too slow. You look at City when they're playing their possession based game. It's so quick. It's so much faster than the way we do it. They already, as soon as they receive the ball, they know where the next pass is going. Or if they're going to dribble, they know straight away they're going to dribble. They're not taking seconds because it's so easy to defend against that. Because teams, are, you, you need to move teams out of their shape if they've got a lot of players behind the ball. Yeah. So this kind of comes up in the stats where you're seeing most of, nearly all of the games we've lost this season, we've had more of the ball, like quite significantly at some times. Like against Newcastle, we had 60%, West Ham 60 uh, Yeah, the second Newcastle game was 60 but the games we've won, we won 29% yesterday. When we beat Arsenal, it's 43, Chelsea, 29. Like every, there's a very clear, I think the average from when we've won is like 45%. And then when we've lost, we're averaging over 50% possession. So this, we're really good at, at having less of the ball and being more efficient with it than being expected to dominate a game and break down a team. We just, we have, it's not even an Ancelotti thing. This has been a problem for probably since Martinez, really. I don't think that's necessarily like... Um, I think that's more just to do with what stage of the development teams that like with though. Because we've only had him for 52 games or something. And yeah. But, I mean, you compare him to Man City, which, is, which I understand, but like, got to remember, Man City, I know it's easy to say they have more resources than anyone as well. But also, you know, they've had Guardiola now for, what, this is his fifth season. So... They're a lot for they, they should be a lot further down the line in their kind of development with with their with their football uh, and the Guardiola than we would be with Ancelotti. I don't I don't think we play bad football. I think I think our strengths are like I said before. I feel like you probably alluded to Pete there is that when we try and um, you know run before we can walk is, is where we end up kind of falling short because. We're best at doing the basics well, I think, at the moment. We're not we're not a good pressing team. We're not we're not 
you know, good individual footballers, but not probably probably not a brilliant footballing team mm. yet. I think that will come in time, though. I just think at the moment, the best way to to win games with with the the squad that we've got is is probably just to tighten up, just to kind of play play through the channels more and. Uh, you know, look for Calvert Lewin with with Luca Dean's crosses, or you know, boot everything clear like Michael Keane does. And I agree with. And the point about the possession is an interesting one because I think, you know, it's so interesting that we we how much more possession we have in games we lose because I've often thought we look worse with we look worse the more we have the ball, yeah. and and you know, the less time we have to think to ponder our next move, the better. Really, it feels like I haven't a very much better as kind of instinctive one-touch footballing team they are when they've got time to dwell on the ball and think about what they want to do. Definitely. And I'd also, to add to that, like, what was kind of interesting with when you mentioned like the stage of our development, the development with Ancelotti, um, do you remember this like first three or four games of the season? I think we had, we had Spurs, West, West Brom, Brom. Alex. West Brom game especially. West Brom, we absolutely dominated the ball and we played so quickly. Th- I know West Brom are a great side, but we move the ball so quickly through the through the play, and while it's also dominating possession and recycling it, but that's how you're meant to do it if you're going to do this possession-based style. Because I think I don't think it was a great game against Crystal Palace, but it was another game yeah. we controlled, and then probably the Brighton game to some degree after that. But since then, we kind of took a step back, a step backwards in terms of when we have the ball, we don't know what to do with it anymore. And I'm wondering how much of that was uh, like Alan and Rodriguez and particular coming in and to to Corey's to some degree that well, yeah, they just after, had, they hadn't had a oh sorry no no yeah after that that Brighton match I think was the Liverpool match where we I think it was Richarlison got the red card and and um I think that's when that was our first beginning of our first bad stretch right and I think that that's mm, when we yeah, started not that, having players yeah and I think that's you know yeah. we had Dean who got the red card after that against Southampton you know, I think that's when we started not having players available. So I'd be interested to see if, like, when we do have a full squad again, because this will be the first time in a while that we'll have a fully healthy squad that's, you know, maybe performing at their best. I'd be interesting, like you said, Matt or uh, Pete, uh, to see if that changes as well. Um, but yeah, um, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Um, the point I was just going to make as well with. Um, I've lost my third foot there, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, if it comes back, let us know. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah any, anything else you guys want? Anything else you guys want to touch on before we we wrap up the Liverpool talk and get into Southampton? So I'm amazed how how off the rails Liverpool have gone. You know, I, I know that I know they've had a lot of injuries. I know the crowds aren't there, but they look really one dimensional for a team that's still still have you know, the two full backs, um the captain, probably their their the best midfielder I think in Wijnaldum playing and still the front three. Yeah. You know, like I said, I don't we are sounding overconfident. Felt like in the second half, even even as much as as much pressure as Liverpool had, I never felt worried that Evan were going to concede really. Um I felt like they ran out of ideas. Which I've kind of seen them do before against teams like Burnley and, and Brighton. Um, I felt we were much the better team yesterday, um, and 
pleasing, pleasing to see us kind of nullify Liverpool in a way that we probably didn't in the Goodison game. Far the Goodison game, we kind of played into their hands a bit, and and that we were probably. I think everyone would agree we were probably second best that day. Um, felt like we were much better at playing to our strengths and also exposing their weaknesses yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Also, um, wouldn't it be funny if they have the parade for last season's <laughs> title win after they finish, after they finish below us in the league? Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, but yeah, but you need the title parade when you get in the Europa Conference League, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right yeah no that's uh, i think i think that i think that about wraps it up for liverpool though um we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk a little bit about southampton all right um back now talking about uh the upcoming match against uh southampton uh everton have a decent amount of time off eight days i think it is before we play Southampton on Monday, March 1st at 8 p.m. Uh, over in England, uh, 3 p.m. over here Eastern time uh, in America. Um, Southampton, at the time of recording, uh, are um, – they're in 13th place. Oh, I didn't even know that. Wow. <laughs> I thought they were higher than that. Um, 13th place, 24 played, 30 points. Um, they drew with Chelsea on Saturday. Um but it lost the previous six games, one reverse fixtures, um, won the reverse fixture two nothing in October against us. Um, how do we kind of put to you know put to rest, I guess, and 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 put away this this rubbish form against not not against Southampton specifically, but at home? Um, how do we do it against Southampton this time to to kind of get a win and, and put that behind us? Well, I'm kind of interested to know what Pete thinks because he's not he's not on uh, the pod every week. Whether do you do you think Pete that we can kind of play the way we do it away at home? Um, well, it depends. On, I don't think it's so much a home and away thing. It's more about depends on the opponent. I feel yeah. like against Southampton, we're going to try and dominate the ball, and that's really concerning. Um. <laughs> like, I, we need to figure out. We should just to... pass on the ball back. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an option, isn't it? Like we just like every time we get it, we just boot it back and then like try and like pressure them. I, you know, I tell you what, I really rate Southampton. They're on a rotten bit of form, but when they're they've also had so many injuries. But when they're playing with a full strength side, they're a very good team. Um, and I am much less confident about beating them than I probably was even about Liverpool yesterday. Um, we need to find a way to move the ball quicker. That's that's just the point. Like it ends there. Like we need to get the ball forward so much quicker. And even if we are going to do this possession-based game, especially building up from the back, and I and I get the idea that that draws the opponent onto it and that creates more space up the field. But we never get up the field when we do this. So we need to find a way to like, play more vertical passes, be more incisive, and it also comes down to movement as well. It's like the, the two elements of that. If we can do that, we're a better team. So, in one way, we want to open up the game as much as possible because, on paper, we're a better team. So, we need to find a way to do that. And if not, we should boot the ball back to them and just counter them. Um, any changes for you guys from the Derby win? I would probably swap Alan for Gomez, I think, and and if that and Calvert Lewin for. 
It's difficult because you you don't if you're loath to drop Coleman because how well he played, but then I do think by and large probably Holgate has been the better right back this season. Um, I probably would drop Coleman to be honest. Um, and then go to, the back four would be. Well, also it depends on Mina. Like, is is are we expecting Mina to be back or not? I don't know. It's three or four weeks. Is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it okay. So Mina's not going to play. So, I imagine it'll be Pickford, Dean, Dean, Godfrey, Holgate at right back. And then I, I would go for a midfield three of Alan, Decore, and Davis. And then front three of Richarlison, Rodriguez, and Cavalier, which is probably as close as you can get to the, the Tottenham team. Yeah. Obviously, the team that beat Tottenham on the first day. Um, without you know, obviously Coleman, Mina, and Gomez. Yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't play. I know we can play Gomez and Coleman. I just think David Davies is a better option than Gomez. I think Holgate is a better option than Coleman for this kind of game. Um, but you have to see as well if that is the midfield three, which one he plays at the, at the deepest as the deepest of the three, because um, I think it's looked at times like Allen is best suited to that role. But then now that Davies looks more comfortable in that position and we've already seen Alan play pretty well in a, in a slightly more advanced role than that you know who will be kind of I think we expected Corey to be the more advanced but obviously who partners him there will it be will it be Davies or will it be Alan uh, I suspect if that's the midfield three it'll probably be Alan but I guess got I wonder, if you, could, there. Go on, Pete. I wonder if you could do a double pivot there and have Alan and Davis sit in, and then it kind of gives you a fullbacks a bit more license to push forward. So obviously Dean's always getting forward, but then you'd probably, if you do do the double pivot, you'd probably lean more towards Coleman than Holgate or right back in terms yeah. of just attacking output. But do you think that's too negative um, to play against a talent at home? I'm not sure. Is it? I think you can look at it as negative on a team sheet, but if you see that yeah. you're putting your fullbacks right up the pitch and really pinning the opposition in. Then yeah. I think that balances out. You're basically playing with four defensive players and six attacking players. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. I think um, I think we've got to be careful on this point just because, like you said, just like the Newcastle game and the Fulham game, you know, a team that has got one point from the last seven games does kind of have the hallmarks of of a good of a an away win at Goodison, doesn't it? So. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to think there's lessons learned from the Fulham game, but then we said that after the Newcastle game, didn't we? So, um, <laughs> we anything, I have less faith, in Everton, I have less yeah. faith in Everton winning this after last night than more faith, probably. So, yeah, no, <laughs> it's also uh, it's also worth noting that Southampton are a really good pressing side. Like you know, the way Fulham pressed us at Goodison yeah. last week. Yeah, Southampton do that a lot. Um, it obviously depends on who they've got available now, but I think they're kind of easing past their injury crisis. But they're, they're a team that could definitely cause us trouble in terms of we're playing out from the back. They're going to hold us in there and get the ball off us. I think, was it last season towards the end of the season? I was going to say, yeah. They absolutely battered us. I think we yeah. took a point. or 1-1, one, one, yeah. But yeah, they, but it was, a, it was absolute theft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They missed a penalty didn't they as well on Ward Pro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was yeah. not a game. I think <laughs> if it was like that, again, I'd be very surprised just because how weak our midfield was that day compared to now. That's true. But, you know, clearly, it's the problem, isn't it? You don't want these good away wins to be undermined by terrible home form because it will ultimately stop Everton from achieving anything this season, I think. So, um, 
I do feel though, like maybe yesterday was kind of a turning point. I know it was an away win and not home win, but to win at Anfield feels like big weight lifted. And I think that I have a feeling that will show in these next few games, um, next few home games as well, like Burnley and um, Crystal Palace after the, after the sounds of the home game as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel fairly confident about this one, but you know, with kind of sense of trepidation, just because it's a home game, and Everton have been terrible at home lately. Yeah, and no, 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 Derby, no emphatic Anfield Derby win can make me think otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, it, it, it's it's Everton syndrome. It's you know, even after a big win like that, <laughs> you just think the automatic thought is, okay, what bad can happen next? Because. Uh, yeah. It just feels like even after the Tottenham win, you know, we get a big win against Tottenham in the FA Cup. And from there, we draw City and then go lose to Fulham within four days or whatever, three days. So um, obviously that's the thoughts. Um, you know, it, Southampton is, I guess, a team we probably we, we should beat, especially in the form they're on um, or they're in. And, um, you know, with the injuries that they have, um, but it's it's just hard to say. It's hard to say when you know you know Everton and and you know, um, you know like kind of how things have been in the past. Not even just in the past, but the season specifically. But um, hopefully, it is a turning point for for Everton in this one. Um, anything you want to hit else? We guys want to hit on before we um, get to predictions. Don't give any. Don't give free kicks away because bloody War Prowls are probably. He's very good at free kicks, isn't he? Yes. War Prowls. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't. I would guard against that. Pete. Um, yeah, I'm just really worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really like it's. If we do want to get, let alone top four, but even top six, like we need to win that game. That's. I think that's almost more of a statement winning that game than beating Liverpool because we know we can beat teams like Liverpool now. But can <laughs> we beat teams we're better than at home? Like, because if we can't, there's a lot of those teams, and we're going to lose so many points. Yeah, I mean, already lost. You know, if you just take the two yeah. Newcastle and the Fulham games, it's nine points right there. We'd be sitting on 49 points, you know, oh with God. 10 points back of City or whatever in second place instead of in seventh. It's awful. When, you, when you look at who we've lost to and you yeah. just like add up, like, if you take three or four of those wins, it's a, it's a different picture. <laughs> yeah, much different, much different. Um, Obviously, we've all kind of given our thoughts on this game, but let's do predictions. Um, Matthew, we'll start with you. I think 1-0 for this one. I fancy us keeping another clean sheet. I think it'll be nervy. I think it'll be tense. I don't think it will be kind of free-flowing, you know, particularly flashy football, but I think Evan will, will get the job done. Um, and those are my famous last words on this game. <laughs> uh, Pete, how about you? Yeah, I, I really don't see us winning. I, <laughs> now, 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 Matt said like Wood Prowse free kick. I can just see that killing into the top corner of the Gladys. So, um, between one and three nil to the Saints. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God! Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I've been doing this too long. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, my pessimistic self wants to say we probably draw one one, but but you know I'm gonna go. We're being optimistic this season. I'm gonna go two one Everton. Um, I struggled to think that we will keep a clean sheet again, just because we're playing at home and 
we're going to need to sweat this one out in some way. Um, but, um, but yeah, two, one, two, one to Everton. All right. Uh, that's it. I think that's all we got today for you guys. Um, Pete, thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate it. Uh, cheers for having me. Been fun. Of course. Of course. Uh, Matthew, thank you as always. Um, cheers. Thank you. And to you guys out there, uh, make sure you keep subscribing, following, downloading the episodes. Um, we love you guys. Um, up the F and Toffees. <laughs> up the F and Toffees. Uh, you know, um, big win, big podcast. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.